Back in, in January and February of this year, there was a fight on the floor of the House of Representatives and behind closed doors to determine who was going to become the Republican Party's speaker and the speaker of the House of Representatives. Everybody knew that Kevin McCarthy wanted the gig and, and, uh, and that he had been campaigning for it. And many people said that, uh, that that he was the right guy for the job. Even Marjorie Taylor Greene said that McCarthy was the guy. She voted for him in the first round of caucusing. She said, I think he's going to be an excellent speaker. And I think on some things that McCarthy has been good, and that's because he's a shrewd politician. He's a political hack. He can maneuver, swim in the water with the sharks and what have you. He's been there long enough. He knows how he knows how the sausage is made, as C. Everett, uh, Everett Dirksen once said, the senator from uh, Wisconsin. Uh, but something happened on the way to McCarthy becoming speaker. Marjorie Taylor Greene's buddy Matt Gates and others said, "No way, Jose. No way." You're a big spending, siding with the Democrats, bipartisan hack. We have serious problems that these members of this Congress think need to be addressed, and there's no way you are the guy to address them. One of them was, boy, and I have been harping on this since 2008 or 2009, since I first interviewed Congressman Ron Paul and got religion back in the day, uh, is how appropriations are made. They're supposed to be made department by department and line by line, which is why if you go back into the King Dude's Wayback Machine and you go back to the second term president, uh, President Gro Gro Grover Cleveland, you will discover that Cleveland holds the record for most amount of vetoes in a single, uh, in a single year as president. Uh, something like 455 or sort of 453 or something like that. Now, how could you have that many bills of veto? Well, what Cleveland was vetoing were individual appropriations. We used to, they're called earmarks for a sidewalk in New York or whatever, or a water treatment facility in Pennsylvania, whatever the case may be. And Cleveland was going like, not constitutional? Nope. <laughs> nope, nope, nope. And he was vetoing them. Um, this continued on, and presidents didn't need this thing called a line-item veto, which has always been a joke of sorts. Uh, when Clinton was campaigning for, I need a, a line-item veto, all he was basically asking for was for Congress to stop this destructive and vicious practice of loading everything, larding everything together in these giant omnibus spending bills, and you're going, all right, yes or no? Government open, government closed. So what Matt Gates and company were arguing for at the start of this Congress, what they were um, arguing for was basically a, a restoration of earmarks, where each individual project that a member of Congress wanted to get funding for had to go to a committee, and a committee had to go, oh, all right, you can have your sidewalk. And then it had to go to a floor vote, and then uh, the entire House of Representatives had to agree to it. Then it had to go to the Reconciliation Committee, and the Senate had to agree with it, and then it had to go to Biden or Trump, whoever's president, and they would have to say yay or nay. 
This is the way it should happen. And people going, the government is too big. It can't be funded in that way. Exactly. So let's make it smaller. Hmm? Why don't we shrink it down? <laughs> Why don't we go back to what it's actually supposed to do? So Matt Gates and company uh, were saying to McCarthy, look, dude, we're not, you're not going to become speaker unless you sign this, unless you promise that you're going to do this. You're not going to become speaker. Now, I don't know if Gates ever actually signed anything. I'm, I'm sorry, uh, McCarthy ever actually signed anything, but he did agree that he was going to bring to the floor a vote on appropriations and then what they needed basically to repeal to bring back earmarks one at a time. Now, this is the, the, this is what they call discretionary spending. This is like 10% of the entire budget. It's not going to fix the problem, but it does put the other spending because if you applied that to other agencies, you go like, no, you can't just apply defense, the Department of Defense. You can't just send a request for $720 billion over here. You can do an employment for current employment employment request, current benefits, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, but you can't just throw in the $12 billion you tucked in there for Raytheon or General Dynamics or whatever. That has to go. That is a line by line expenditure. See, this is the, 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 the now. This is one way that you could actually. It, it, it might. It could work. So you're saying there's a chance. Yeah, there's a chance. It could work to actually begin to dismantle some of this monstrosity. But make no mistake. Look, there's like five million people in and around Mordor and the Potomac that rely on this. This is what they do. So you'd be disemploying almost all of these people and telling them you're going to have to go out and find something productive to do. Is there anything really productive for them to, to, to do that's left to do? I don't know that there is. Maybe they should just hit the reset button and go like, okay, we're repealing everything since 1974, <laughs> including Social Security contingencies and continuations. This is so funny. You know what I got in the mail the other day? I got my Social Security statement. I got my social security statement and it told me that uh, it, it said based upon your year of birth and the latest act of Congress, you can or t you can retire when you're 67 and thank you for paying all these hundreds of thousands of dollars, which I paid into it, hundreds of thousands over the course of <laughs> a very long labor life. You are entitled to, and they'd give me my, what my Social Security benefit is. It's chump change. <laughs> I mean, I suppose like David Simpson goes like, if they tell you you can have it, dude, go get it. Because they're not going to give it back to you. <laughs> no, I'm, I'm not going to say on principle that, no, I stand on principle. I disagree with Social Security, so I'm not going to. Oh, no, I'm going to take it. I am absolutely going to take it. But I had to laugh as I'm reading the fine print of the statement that the Social Security Trust Fund was established for people, citizens like you, Mr. Church, to ensure that when you reach the age of retirement, what you have play paid into your Social Security one is available to you and your loved ones as a retirement benefit. 
And everybody is going like, you're lying. <laughs> you're lying. Congress this year alone is going to send a bill to me and my family for $13,500, and that's just to cover this year's deficit. Here, here's a question for you. How many of you people out there that are gainfully employed as slave, la uh, slave wage laborers and are having your precious paychecks every every uh, uh, come to you every uh, week, every other week, every month, and then have all of those lines in there where they took stuff out before they gave it to you? Where your company voluntarily cooperated with the criminal, with the mob that is the government, and the state of Massachusetts took this out, and then the state of New Hampshire, well, New Hampshire didn't have an income tax, <laughs> and then the federalists took their Medicare tax, they took their FICA tax, they took their their uh, their federal tax, they took, and then whatever other tax. And here's what's left for you. How many of you think you've paid $13,500 that you're going to fork over to the federalities this year. Now, if you're doing very well, then, then you would be in that number. But that just covers the deficit spending this year. That doesn't cover the rest of the $7 trillion that they spend. Or the, I'm sorry, the $5 trillion that's, on the, the, that's part of regular spending, you see. So... I'm going to play Matt Gates's clip from the, uh, it's long, so I'll probably play it next segment. Or maybe we'll play a piece of it this segment and a piece of it next segment. Gates goes on the floor and calls McCarthy out and goes, you lied. You told us we were going to get spending reform. We're not going to get it now. It's too late. How many of you people know that at the end of this month, September 30th is the last day of what the federal government calls its fiscal year? It's the last day, and then money has to be appropriated so that on October the 1st, the government can continue operations and whatever, because the funding that's currently in effect only goes to September the 30th. So they're going to have another one of these government shutdown discussions. As we always say, shut the whole damn thing down. And actually have the fight and then be done with it. Maybe the American people would think a Congress that actually became fiscally responsible. But here's the rub. No, they wouldn't because they have too many Uncle Bobos out there that are working for such and such agency and didn't even know that I was getting my little paycheck from the federal government and I was being subsidized. Did you work in the airline industry? If you do, this is you. Do you work for one of the railroads? If you do, this is you. Do you work for a company that builds roads and bridges? It doesn't matter if they build them in, uh, for and by the state or for the federalities. If you do, this is you. Do you work for anything that's attached to or has anything to do with the Department of Defense? With any sort of aeronautic or, 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 or aerospace engineering or design? This is probably you. Do you work directly for a defense contractor? This is definitely you. Do you work for a plane manufacturing company? This is definitely you. Do you work for an accounting firm, especially one that does taxes? This is definitely you. 
Do you work in part, did you work for an educational entity? Unless it is completely and totally private like Hillsdale and refuses to accept federally dollars, this is definitely you. You are, you are who I and Matt Gates are talking about. Which most people, though, when they sit down, they go, but wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute, we can't fire all these, we can't, you can't turn all these people out. Well, you we wouldn't really be turning them out. You'd just be saying to the sta states in which they live, hey, if you want to fund this, you're going to have to figure out a way to do it, which no state would be able to raise the revenue to do so. Nobody had the whole thing would collapse. Yeah, that's right. Maggie's making the point that no one had a problem with it when they were locking they small business uh, members of it out. So why does Matt Gates go on to Florida? This is the point of the whole monologue. Why does Matt Gates go on to Florida House of Representatives to challenge Kevin McCarthy and to say you're a liar, we're not going to get this done, and disaster is right around the corner and it's all on you? On the day the Republicans are supposed to be on there and conservatives are supposed to be out there celebrating because now there's going to be an impeachment inquiry into the Biden regime. Well, the fact of the matter is, is that there is not going to be an impeachment inquiry into the Biden regime. Because unless Marjorie Taylor Greene gets her way, the current acts of Biden are not what's on the table. What Representative Comer has been looking at is Burisma. You know, I saw a, a, a brief clip yesterday of uh, Greg Gutfeld. I don't even know if I like Gutfeld. I don't dislike him. But I'm going to say, so in case someone else saw it, I'm just going to tell you, if you, when you hear my version of this, I yes, I agree with Gutfeld. And I hadn't really thought about it in this manner, but we all think that Hunter is the villain here. We've all thrown Hunter under the bus, but I think this is what the enemy wanted us to do.